Hey, I'm Brian Hyatt, and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. I'm going to be playing an interview today that Andy Green did with Rod Stewart. And Andy and Rod start out by talking about Rod's new album that he released this year called Blood Red Roses. And then they do a whole interview that's sort of life lessons. It's one of our last word interviews that run on the last page of the magazine, and it goes in a lot of different directions. And we'll just get right to it. Here's Andy Green and Rod Stewart. Beautiful day for late September in London. Great. I'm glad to hear it. Enjoying the new album. It's fantastic. Thanks, mate. Thank you very much. That means a lot coming from someone like your good self. All right. Thank you. So how long ago did you start working on it? Oh, I don't know. Probably uh, 18 months ago. Obviously not 18 months solidly, but, right. you know, we started you know, thrashing out ideas and mm-hmm. sending ideas to each other. To each other. That would be uh, me and my co-producer and co-writer, Kevin Savigar. Uh-huh who was in the band uh, in the 70s, uh, then he left through illness, and now he's back in the band. So, yeah. But yeah, I'd say 18 months ago. Tell me your goals going into it and how you wanted it to be different than the previous album. No, didn't really. I, didn't, I don't plan anything that much. I, mm-hmm. I want it to be, and it was, spontaneous. Mm-hmm. But what I didn't want to do is, um, you know, be writing songs like Stay With Me and Hot Legs and Tonight's the Night. Right. Um, I want to do to attempt to do something a little bit more age appropriate. Um, hopefully, I've succeeded. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, just tackle uh, things that uh, I've never tried to write about before. Mm-hmm. You know, the, for instance, farewell is a is a love song to one of my dear, dear, dear pals that passed away a few years back. Our space, our songs, our generation. I'll never know again Someone is genuine Someone We grew up with each other through the 60s, and 70s, the 80s and the 90s. Mm-hmm. We remained good friends. So he saw me from when I had absolutely nothing and totally unknown all the way through to the success I had later in life. So that was the idea. Try and just be as honest and you know personable as I could on the songs. Yeah, so tell me about the song Din and I and what inspired that. You left home for the city with Hollywood stars in your eyes. Now your mother got... You know, I have to be honest with you, I don't I didn't sit right down and write so well I need to warn parents of the you know, because I'm a parent of eight children and I need to warn them about the, the, the dangers of drugs. That would be coming, a bit ripe coming from a rock star. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the way I write the songs now is I do a la-di-da-di-da over the track and I sing whatever comes into my head. And this is exactly what I did with Maggie May mm-hmm. all those years ago. Wake up, Maggie, I think I got something to say to you. And all of a sudden I just sung... Uh, didn't I do the best for you? Tried to make you stay in school, didn't I? Mm-hmm. And that just happened. It was, it was funneled down from for me somehow, yeah. channeled to me. Yeah, and how? And that's it... the way I write songs. There's no, I mean, I'm I'm writing an album now actually, well. so I've got a bit of time off, and I still don't know what the themes of the songs are going to be. But you know, by 18 months, I should have 12, 15 good songs. Oh, wow. So tell me about Cold Old London. Are you, are you drawing on a personal experience with that, or are you a character? Said something. It's a bit of 
both, I suppose. You know, there was a period before I got married um, to Rachel uh, in the mid-90s where I felt, you know, this shagging and a drinking was leading me nowhere. I wasn't particularly happy. Mm-hmm. And I was getting older and the girls were getting younger. <laughs> 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 uh, and uh, I think that's the song's a reflection of that mm-hmm. period in my life. Right. Uh, and so what drives you to keep making new albums when the industry is in such a bad place and sales for, for everybody are way down? Just what drives you to keep doing this? It's what I do, you know. It's um, You don't just down tools because the industry's doing badly. I, I always think I've got a lot of friends out there that have followed my career for many, many years, and they do, they do turn up at concerts mm-hmm. all over the globe. And if 10% of that wonderful audience I play to buy the album, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had tremendous success um, in, the, in, in, in selling millions and millions of albums. Mm-hmm. So I'm not that bothered if it doesn't sell 10 million. You know, everybody else can do that. Mm-hmm. I've had my shot at it. Yeah. I'm making albums for me and a few friends. Huh. And there were so many years in which you didn't write many songs. In the past few years, it, it seems as if your songwriting gift has returned to you. Do you, you get what happened about why you're suddenly so prolific again? Oh, there's, there's many reasons for it. I mean, obviously, the book came out, and uh, you know, meeting friends and and family and, and having a couple of glasses of wine and saying, oh, do you remember when we did this and that and this? Mm-hmm. That was one thing. And just the process of writing songs now I was always locked in a studio for months on end um, you know two hours getting a drum sound and never seeing daylight and it became laborious mm-hmm. and then for this the first album time Kevin and I started just using samples and kicking a few ideas around and it went on from there mm-hmm. and that's the way we do it now so I see the sun the sunshine and daylight a lot more than than I used to. Are you going to start playing these songs live? Oh, yeah, we do four of them already. We do Grace, um, Hole in My Heart, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and two others. Uh, Holy and Tumbling we do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do four altogether. Uh, And you're working on a a new one now, you say? Yeah, we've got just so many tracks left over from the last album, Mm -hmm. um, and they were all good. I just didn't have time to finish them. I'm finishing them off. Oh, cool, cool, wow, wow, wow. It's a good place, it's a lovely, it's, a, it's become, my friend, a hobby, yeah. I suppose. It, um, whereas it used to be a chore, oh, God, if I go get this song fucking finished, now it's a delight. It's a complete turnaround, a completely turned and turnaround. Right, I'm sure in the 70s and 80s you felt pressure to make radio hits, right? And that pressure is sort of gone now because radio's changed so much. Yeah, absolutely. That's why we're not. We don't go in and say, "Well, that's going to be a single." We like to make a song that has melody, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, and, and and lyrical content, obviously. Mm-hmm. But as far as trying to knock out singles, you know, no, we don't. Yeah. It's a body of work. That's all I'm aiming for. I want to switch over and do our big last word interview. That'll be the whole last page of the magazine, where you share some wisdom Great. that you've learned through the years. Uh, yeah. So, do you you think you're a better father in your seventies? than you were in your in your 30s? Oh, I should hope so. My mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. If I haven't learned the trade now, I never will. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I when I had my first child, I was 17 or 18, I think. So, 
uh, obviously everybody knows that was a, a mistake and um, mm-hmm. I didn't keep tabs on, on her because she was, um, she went to a foster home because neither mm-hmm. me nor her mother could, were, were broke, you know, mm-hmm. so we couldn't afford to keep her. But And then she disappeared for a great length of time. I'm sure you, you may know all this. Yeah. And she resurfaced in the, resurfaced in the 80s. Mm-hmm. But now we're, we're good buddies. I just got an email from her just now. Wow. And it's nice we call each other, you know, dad and my daughter. Although it's a strange feeling because I didn't change any nappies or take her to school, but mm-hmm. she's still blood. Yeah. Um, have I got better? Yeah, yeah, of course I have. Children have always been important to me, very important. Mm-hmm. Um, they always have, but there were times when I had Kimberly and Sean in, in the late 70s where I was considerably in debt mm-hmm. and had to go out and work, work a hell of a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I missed a great deal of their growing up. But we've sat down and we've talked about it. I said, your dad wasn't out on going parties and a shagging and a drinking. Mm-hmm. I was working my ass off trying to get out of debt. Yeah. And and there's so much more wisdom that you have now that you can pass on to your young kids from this life experience that yeah. you have back then. Yeah, yeah, it's mostly football wisdom. Yeah, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. We we I built a lovely astroturf pitch for two, my two youngest boys. One's mm-hmm. twelve, another one's seven, and we go out there every evening and mm-hmm. try and teach them a few things. Right. That is the most wonderful thing ever. You know, just playing football at my age with your kids. And how do your knees feel afterwards? No, the knee is pretty good, actually. Now, I had a stem cell injection. Oh, wow. Um, and it's really great. Now, I'm having trouble with the bottom of my foot. Oh. I seem to have done something. I've actually got a um, an air boot on. Have you ever seen one of those? No. <laughs> it's an air boot. It's the most unglamorous-looking thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, back to what we were talking about. Hold on, Andy. I've got to take my top off. I'm boiling. Okay, sure. Right, mate. We're having an Indian, win- uh, Indian summer here in oh, England. Wow. It's unbelievable. Now, do you ever think about what would have happened to your life if you didn't develop a singing voice, about what would have happened to you if you weren't a singer? Well, that's that's the million-dollar question. I don't know. I mean, when I started, it was all I wanted to do. There's only two things I could do is, is play soccer, football, as we call it here, mm-hmm. and sing. And um, I got a chance at being a pro footballer. I didn't think I was particularly good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did it because my dad wanted one of his sons to be a footballer. Uh-huh. And I was the last one, so I gave it a try, but I wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. And it was about the time I fell into music. So I don't know, Andy, I don't know what I would have done, mate. Mm-hmm. Christ knows, it's a scary thought. So just tell me the one bit of advice that you wish that you were able to like, give to yourself at, at age 20. Age 20? Probably uh, cut back on the drinking. Uh-huh. Um, you know, there wasn't much I re- regret. You know, I was, I absorbed all the information I could, all the uh, all the help that I could. So there's not much I would change mm-hmm. in my twenties. It, it all went, it all went so well for me. You know, from being discovered singing on a railway station, and it just kept going up and up and up and up and up. You but know. you think you drank too much though? Yeah, we all did. Well, you know, it's in the faces, we drank a hell of a lot. Yeah. It was almost like a competition with which one can kill themselves first. Uh-huh. Now, that's a bit morbid. It really wasn't. Right. It was more like which one's going to fall down first. Yeah. You never had a like, real addiction problem. You used drugs, but it was never a, a huge issue that was was hurting you. No, it, was, it wasn't. It was. I was always a bit anti with the drugs. I went to 
period with the faces when drugs were so much purer. Mm -hmm. You know, we'd make a gram last for about five concerts. It was so, such good stuff. Mm -hmm. But it was always the good old football, you know. If I was playing, I had to train. So it sort of wasn't agreeing with me. Mm -hmm. But I always drank. I, 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 I do drink a lot. Yeah. You know, now I love a couple of glasses of wine every night, seven days of the week, but only two. Mm -hmm. Three if I'm celebrating. Right. And you managed to avoid super hard drugs back in the 70s and yeah. 80s, right? Yeah. yeah. I've never had smoked either, so... Oh, wow. Never smoked, never smoked marijuana or anything like that. Did you just avoid that to save your voice? No, not at all. Smoking has never, ever appealed to me. Even when I was in my teens, oh, wow. it never appealed to me. Wow, I guess that's weird because so many people in your teenage years, they were smoking cigarettes constantly, right? It was just... Well, you know, my, uh, my brothers and my sister. I mean, yeah. mum and dad all smoked. Wow. Huh. A long, long time ago. Yeah. But I do remember them all having a, what we call a fag. We call them fags in this country. Uh-huh. Yeah, they all smoked. So no I, one does now, though. I read, I was reading, did you just watch Breaking Bad? It's <laughs> stupid, isn't it? Yeah. I never have time for them TV shows, but, you know, I was long tour yeah. last year, and I just watched it and just enjoyed it so much, I don't want to see anything else. Cause people say, well, now you must watch that. I said, nothing is as good as Breaking Bad. Yeah. But I hear there's another one now, but without the main characters. It's all about Call Saul, apparently. Yeah, it? and it's fantastic. I encourage you to watch it. Yeah, all right, I'm going to start watching that tonight. So then, who was your favorite character on Breaking Bad? Uh, 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 Pinkman, Jesse Pinkman. Why? Ah, uh, he's just a little shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but he, there was something about him that was um, loyal. Yeah. You know, he threw, he, he saw through all the all the bad stuff and knew that uh, the, he was loyal. Yeah. She was lovely. His wife too. She was gorgeous. And gun. Yeah, and gun. So I'll start watching Call Saul tonight. And how'd you feel, Abe? A but Hank dying. I'm I'm sure that bummed you out to see Hank be, be killed. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. But then you walk away from it. They're all getting paid. They all get up and go go to bed and <laughs> finish work. So right. Right. So uh, I feel like you are one of the few classic rock icons who's not going on a farewell tour right now. <laughs> Yeah, and um, I'm also the right side of the grass uh -huh. <laughs> still, thank, thank the Lord. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't, you know, I got in a lot of trouble for slating Elton off, and I maybe should have kept my mouth closed. Mm -hmm. I was on that program, Whatever Happens Next, where yeah. they insist you get drunk as a skunk. Mm -hmm. So I, I just said it reeks of, you know, you know, scraping in the money and... Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, he's already said that he's going to do more concerts after the 300 anyway. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, we all have to retire sooner or later, but uh, it certainly is the furthest thing away from me and, and me at the moment. So, I'm having too much fun. So, so a, a farewell tour is just never going to happen for, for you? No, I can't, won't say never, but I don't think I'll do it like that. I might just, I don't know. How, I, I haven't even thought about it, mate, you know. Mm-hmm. I haven't even thought about it. It'll be a sad day because it's been a huge part of my life forever. Yeah. Is your favorite part of your day performing live on stage, do you still feel the same thrill that, that you felt doing it in your 20s? Uh, even more so now. Uh, it's, um, you know, when I see people out there that, have, that I know, they're not as old as me, but people have followed me for a long time. It's, it's, it's a warm feeling. Mm -hmm. You know, to see, what a job. You know, I get paid for getting on the stage and singing, right. sending everybody home happy. Yeah. Well, 
it's not about being a footballer or a sportsman. Right. You can send people on go uh, go home unhappy if you lose. Right. But I'm in a win-win situation. It's it's just wonderful. Right. And there will be a day when it's over, but um, I'm extremely thankful. That's all I can say. Yeah. For how and, my career's gone. And and to, to still be able to pack Madison Square Garden when you've been doing this about 50 years. I mean, that's there are very yeah, people that yeah, that was, can do that. It, it's truly remarkable. Mm-hmm. Truly remarkable. Uh, now, you say on the album that you can't even boil an egg. Is that true for you, Duber Cook? Absolutely true. Uh-huh. True, 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 mate. In the 70s, um, it was a different era then. Mm-hmm. You know, we used to have girlfriends who would shack up with, you know. Um, how old are you then? I, how am, old are you, mate? I am 37. Oh, you're a youngster. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'd shack up with girls and then you sort of get fed up with them and then, you know, they'd leave or... Mm-hmm. Or you kick them out, horrible. But and then you realise, oh, who's going to do me dinner? Mm-hmm. You know, who's going to cook me breakfast? Mm-hmm. Then you find yourself having to, you know, walk down to the local cafe because I was, I'm still absolutely hopeless. I cannot cook to save my life. So, if I had to do a boil, if I had to make a boiled egg, as my wife said the last time I tried to make a boiled egg, I had about twenty pans and and things out of the cupboard. <laughs> you know, real mess. <laughs> so, so then tell me Nothing the, to be proud of. So then tell me the last time in your life that you cooked a home meal for yourself. No, never. 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 No, I'm a, I'm a, I don't mind a bit of toast and a cup of tea in the afternoon, but other than that, I've done nothing. So, shameful. So, Shame on you, Stuart. I think if you lost everything and had to move with your family into a tiny house back where you grew up, that you could manage life? Well, I have to. Mm-hmm. We'd have to, wouldn't I? Yeah. You know, I, I think it would be a shock, but mm-hmm. that's where I came from. Right. You know, I came from a very small house with a big family. Mm-hmm. Um, the Stuarts were, you know, there was five of us, two brothers, two sisters, and me, and my mum and dad, and we all lived more or less in two rooms. Mm-hmm. Two rooms downstairs and two rooms upstairs. We shared one bathroom, and we all lived together. Yeah. And you were happy, right? Yeah. And that's the funny thing. It was a wonderful day today. I'll just run this by you. Mm-hmm. I've had this wonderful indoor swimming pool built here in England. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just gorgeous. You know, it's just, I spent a lot of money on it. Mm-hmm. And my two brothers came over today, and we all jumped in the pool. And I said, I bet this is the first time we've ever been in any, the ocean, a pool, anything like it, the three of us. And it was true. Never done it. My brother, he's going to be 90 next year. My sister's going to be... 90 next year, wow. almost. Mm-hmm. Now there was 81, there they were, up and down, swimming, and absolutely loved it. Wow, that, that's, that's fantastic. And so we, just, we all looked at each other and said, wow, I wish mum and dad were here, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> at what period in your life do you think you were the happiest? Now. Wow, why? Without a shadow of a doubt, now. Why? I've never been so content in all my life. Huh. You know, look at what I've got. I mean, apart from the financial side of things, lovely houses, you know, I know that's all materialistic stuff, but mm-hmm. I have the most gorgeous wife and I have eight wonderful children mm-hmm. and two little ones. Yeah. Uh, it's just just fabulous. I can't, they'll be home from school in a minute. They're all going to jump in the pool and I can't wait to get in there with them. Wow, you know. This I, is the most wonderful period of my life. Well, I've spoken to so many famous musicians who complain to me about fame and the burdens of fame and the burdens of all the money they're making and the burdens of celebrity and the fans, but you've never minded that ever. Well, why don't they fuck off and don't do it? <laughs> right. You know, I love it. 
Yeah. Uh, the only the only thing I don't like about being in a public eye mm-hmm. is when someone's rude to you. Yeah. You're trying to have your dinner and right. they shove you know a bit of paper in your face. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, you don't do autographs anymore. I do selfies. Right. Everyone's got cameras. I mm-hmm. dozens of selfies all day. But you know, look, look how much we've look look what the business has given to us. Mm-hmm. You know the 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 avenue to express yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, from when I was a kid, all I wanted to do was sing. It was a burning desire. I've got to sing. I want to sound like Sam Cooke. Mm-hmm. I want to be Otis Redding, you know. That was it for me. Mm-hmm. I love Muddy Waters, the way he played slide guitar. It's just all I wanted to do. So if those guys don't like it, pack it in. Right. Give yeah. the money to charity. Right. Don't moan about it and keep the money. Enjoy it. Yeah. Do something useful with it. Uh-huh. Give it away. And so when were you... I don't the... get it, mate. I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're totally right. And so when were you the least happy in your whole life? What was the worst part? Uh, well, I wasn't happy when I had the cancer scare, but, you know, I was a realist about it, and I was lucky I had it cut out and was over with. But, um, you know, probably going through the divorce right. uh, to Rachel Hunter yeah. was the worst down period, you know, around... Say ninety uh, ninety nine, and, and lo and behold, out of the sky came my darling wife, Penny. On the same day that I broke up with Rachel, Penny appeared. Wow! At the Dorchester Hotel, and she she was dared by one of her friends to go over and ask for Rod Rod Stewart's autograph, and she did. Wow! And then talk about a simple twist of fate. Wow! That's incredible. And, but that was the most down period I can remember. And so, like, and so, tell me what you learned a a about yourself in that time period. Um. Well, in, on relationships, mm-hmm. first of all, don't don't discuss things when you've had a glass of wine. And you're just about to go to bed. Okay. Don't have arguments before you go to bed. Wait until it waits. Wait until the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also a much better listener now than I've ever been before mm-hmm. you know I let my wife more or less have her own way you know? Okay. she you know I I don't argue as much as I used to mm-hmm. yeah but I think I think you know the, the, the talking about things is the most important and more importantly being able to listen right. and share romantic things I'm a terrible old romantic my wife and I when the kids to bed, go to bed we have candlelit dinners every night Wow. It's so lovely. Wow. Uh, do you think being married to you back in the 70s, it was sort of hard because, because you were just so busy? Oh, yeah. I come, you know, it was it was ridiculous. I got married in 79. I shouldn't have done. My dad, who was alive, my mum and dad were alive then, both said you're far too young. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I, don't know, I was 40, I think. <laughs> no, no, 30-something. Mm-hmm. And they said you're far too young, you know, and I, I was. I wondered. There was still a lot of women, uh, you know, it was just a, t- a total tear away. Right. As you probably know. Yeah. And that's one of the things I've been embarrassed about, and I've tried to, to right my wrongs, is the way I broke off relationships. Yeah. You know, I just disappear, do a ghost, disappear, but you're, break broke but, hearts, not but, proud of it. But you're on good terms with so many of your exes, which is a pretty unique thing. Yeah, well, we've all grown up a bit. There was a period where we all bloody hated each other and you mm. know but now everything is just wonderful with Rachel 
uh, who's the um, is the mother of uh, Liam and Renee. Mm-hmm. Kelly Amberg is the mother of Ruby, and Alana is the mother of Sean and uh, Sean and Kimberly. Right. We all get on fine when I'm in Los Angeles. Right. So do really you, wonderful. Do you think a song like Hot Legs that could that would be greeted a bit differently in this modern era? <laughs> I don't know how you would have dealt. I mean, I don't know, mate. I can't answer that question, really. I'm, I'm too long in the tooth right now, mm-hmm. you know. I would have to... You'd have to ask one of the younger bands, would you write a song like that? Right. It doesn't seem appropriate nowadays. Right. You know, I think it's sort of interesting that the Jeff Beck group and the Faces, they were both very short-lived. Do you think you're better suited to life as a, as a solo artist, that being in a, in a band is just sort of hard for you? No, I enjoyed being in a band. I really did. I loved being in the Jeff Beck group, but mm-hmm. and you know, I'm I'm a loyal person. I believe when it comes to uh, uh, musicians and bands, mm-hmm. uh, I'm very loyal to the guys in my band now. But to get back to Jeff Beck, he fired Woody. You right. know, he fired yeah. my soul brother. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know, I've got to go. He's 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 my man. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's how I was out of the Jeff Beck group yeah. and then we stumbled on the, the small faces and became the faces as you know yeah. and I would have stayed with that band forever but I think Woody Woody was the first one to go right. Ronnie Lane was losing interest mm-hmm. um, and it just fell apart but I think we took it as far as we could yeah you know do you think fans need to sort of let go of the fantasy that you and Jeff Beck are, are ever going to like reunite and perform together again and record together again um, I didn't know. I didn't know there were people out there that wanted me and Jeff to get. I mean, it sure is a great lineup. It's mm-hmm. my voice and his guitar. It's a match made in heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it would be a lovely thing to do. It would be a complete left-hand turn. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did try it once, but we couldn't see eye to eye. I think we had a serious clash of egos. Mm-hmm. But, you know, never say never. I know it's a cliche, but really, I'm up for it if he's up for it. Yeah. But we both want to produce. That's the thing. Right, right. I just think some sort of a blues rock record of the two of you would could be explosive. You know, you're right. You're, you're spot on. Mm-hmm. Will you put it out there, my man? Okay. And let me see what he does. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> then, tell me the most indulgent purchase that you've ever made. Well, um, uh, would be a Ferrari Enzo. Uh huh. But I spend a lot of money on art, but. What I do spend a lot of money on is uh, private planes going to watch my football team all over Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, anybody anybody who's had the money that I've had would do the same thing. Yeah. You're here. Who knows when life's going to end? Too many of my friends are under the grass now. Mm-hmm. Spend it and enjoy yourself. Uh, just tell me a bit eh, about that Ferrari and like, when you bought it. Well, when I bought it, it was, uh, I would say it was around $600,000. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so they're worth about a million, a million and a half dollars now. Mm-hmm. Can't get one for under a million and a half. Yeah. And I sold it because I didn't, didn't sort of look into the CT situation. My wife being six foot one and a half, couldn't get into the car. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I sold it. Right. Do you know there's a Lamborghini coming out next month? It's called a Lamborghini Mura that I sold for six thousand pounds in 1971. Lamborghini took it back and refurbished it, and it's going to be on the market starting price one and a half million. Wow! 
One and a half million pounds, not even dollars. Wow, that's insane. Do you struggle over how much money you give to your family? That yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a fine line between denying and giving to the kids. You know, mm -hmm. it's a fine line. But uh, my wife and I both come from working class factories, so, uh, factories, mm -hmm. working class factories, mm -hmm. working class families. So you know, we know the price of everything. We want the kids to appreciate it, but it is very difficult. You know, I I think that all my kids. Um, because they've always, I wouldn't say they've always had what they want, but they've lived a comfortable life. Dad's helped them in any way I could, but I, I don't give them millions mm -hmm. to go and to, to pour down the drain. Mm -hmm. um, but as I say, it's a fine line. It really is. You know, uh, I, I don't think we spoil the kids. Are there any songs in your catalog that you regret recording that you just don't like these days and you think that you shouldn't have done? Uh, no, not at all. No. no, not at all. There's, there's none. I'm proud of, I'm proud of everything I've done. Mm -hmm. Can't think of one song I'm embarrassed about. I've heard on the radio, you know. Even the, the, my first recordings, like a Good Morning Little Schoolgirl, Muddy Waters song, was my first ever song when I was 19. Mm -hmm. Even that, you know, it was, it was a different era, but it still sounds okay. I once was a schoolboy I hear so many people that say rock is dead. I hear that from Gene Simmons all the time, that rock and roll is dead. So how do you respond to people saying that? No, I don't think so. I, I, um, you know, rock, and roll is a, rock and roll is a big tent. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot in that tent. A lot of country music now is it's hard to know what country music is and what rock and roll is. The, the, the lines have been blurred. Mm -hmm. Um I don't know how you can say that when the Rolling Stones go out and do the biggest tours ever. Right. Oh, there is competition. You know, I lo I'm not a great love of rapper. I don't love rap, but I do like hip hop. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I don't think it's dead. Yeah. Do your kids play new music ever? Do you do you hear new artists that you enjoy? Oh, all the time, yeah, the two of them, yeah. I don't know where they learn the words to the rap songs, but they do. Mm -hmm. They like Dad's music, but they're not over the moon with it. Yeah. That's okay. It's a different ear. I don't mind. So your two youngest, they like hip hop. Uh, no, one likes a lot of the rap stuff, mm -hmm. which is difficult for him to listen to because there's so many, you know, so many of the f cussing words in there. Right. So we have to be careful. But the younger one likes um, he likes a lot of stuff. He likes Dad's music a bit. But they're, they're both hung up on this Fortnite now. Oh God! You know what is? Yeah, yeah. I I have oh, two Jesus nephews that are, are obsessed with it. <laughs> Obsessed. Do you play it? No, I've watched them play it. It's like a foreign language to me. I have no clue what they're doing or anything. No, me neither. <laughs> oh, don't, Dad, Dad, I'm just finishing the game. Dad, no. Dinner's on the table. No, I've got to finish the game, Dad. Oh. <laughs> and it all goes off. Unbelievable. So do you I limit their screen time? Yeah, we do now. We've got them under control because I said if you don't do as you're told, I'm going to cut the internet for the entire house. Yeah. So they're, now they're now they're pretty good at it, you know. Yeah. yeah. And I can't, I can't do it. I can't play all those games. <laughs> I'm too old. Right. Too old to pick it up now. Hot. So tell me the music that you play at home that you find the most moving, that you find the most emotional to hear as a listener. Well, I, you know what, I don't, because you know, it seems every hour of the day I'm wrapped up right now in, the, in, the, in my own music, mm -hmm. you know, so I don't really have time to, I might listen to some things on the radio, but nothing specific. Um, 
You know, I'm a big uh, prefab sprout fan. I love uh, Paddy uh, Macloon. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, you know, if I put anything on, it probably might be anything from Billy Holiday to, um, I don't know, you know, everything. I love music, period. I'm yeah. a musicologist. Do you still play Sam Cooke and stuff in your spare time? To... Uh, yeah, my, we do. We do when we have dinner. We play, you know, my wife has all the songs I love on her phone and she'll put them on. Mm-hmm. And Sam is still my reference point, you know. Yeah. It's it's amazing to think of how many songs that, that, that you recorded in a very short time period and how amazing they still sound like 60 years later. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Really incredible. Yeah, and you think of the tragedy of him and of Otis Redding of dying so young, so pointlessly. Yeah. It just breaks yeah. your heart. Well, Sam was murdered. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's over nothing. I mean, just... Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, describe the feeling of being on stage and the band starts playing Maggie May and the band, the crowd explodes. Just, like, what's that feel like to watch that happen? Well, I'll tell you what, they did the other night. <laughs> we, we did... Um, we played a free concert, well, I got paid, uh-huh. <laughs> in, in Bucharest, in Romania, yeah. mm-hmm. and it was to celebrate their centenary of, of getting away from the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. So it was a big day. So we had about 80,000 people there, mm-hmm. beautiful stage they made for me and everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, we, we realized that songs like Rhythm of My Heart, Downtown Train, mm-hmm. And about two or three others, you could tell the people loved it because they all lit their like they put their cameras up. And uh, Maggie May, we didn't have any of that. They didn't know it. Wow, so really? Funny. Yeah. Wow. It's I, so funny. Wow. I mean, that song is so old now. Really. Yeah. Just, I just love Downtown Train because you heard the Tom Waits song and you and you sort of discovered like a different song in there, like a different melody that Eddie wasn't quite singing. Yeah, I could hear the melody in his... I, could, I don't know if he was trying to sing the melody that I sing, but that's that's what I took from it. Well, lovely lyricist he is, Tom. Yeah, he's a genius. He never tours. It's been over 10 years. He just won't go on tour. Yeah, I wonder why that is. Yeah, I guess he just he just doesn't like it. So he, he did thank me, Tom, for, for, for through the publisher of, of Downtown Train, who's a, who's a good mate of mine. Yeah. He said, please thank Rod. He's put a swimming pool in my backyard <laughs> and a new roof on my house. Wow. For uh, my children. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's yeah. lovely, isn't it? Wow, that's great. So do you still want to be up there singing at, in, in like 10 years when you're in your 80s? I might do, yeah. I might just turn my hand to the American Songbook. Mm-hmm. You know, I love singing those songs and I'd love to just get a big band together and and reminisce about them. You know, I, I just love those songs. Uh, I don't know. I really don't know, mate. I haven't thought, but well, I do think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if if I was to give up what I'm doing now, I would dearly love to do that. Yeah. You know, those those albums, they sold nearly 30 million, so there's a, a ready-made audience out there for it. Are you still close to Ron Wood? Do you still see him a lot? Yeah, we, I don't see him as much as I used to. Obviously, when I'm working, they're, uh, they're off, and mm-hmm. when they're working, I'm on. So, But we do text to each other now and then. I guess tell me a, about your fitness routine and how you stay in shape these days. 
Well, today's, uh, I was let off lightly because I had a, uh, a band dinner last night. We all got, you know, well plastered. Mm -hmm. But today I started off in my gym doing uh, uh, strengthening legs mm -hmm. for a half an hour, you know, with, the, you know, the rubber bands and things right. put around your legs mm -hmm. and uh, builds the muscle up. And then I went straight to my new pool and did 12 lengths. Um, and then I start doing diving. I've got a trainer. Mm -hmm. Start doing diving stuff like the uh, the Navy SEALs. He throws a weight in, and I have to go down and get it. Oh, wow. Swim back with the weight to 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 the side of the pool. Mm -hmm. It's very very interesting. Wow. I don't always love working out, but you know, I, I certainly couldn't do it if I was left to my own devices. Listen, a concert is just is so much work that you need to be in shape to even do that, right? You run around so much. Yeah, you do. Yeah, because when you you know when you that's one of the things I learned from uh, Mr. Sinatra. Yeah. Um, you know, that you do a lot of swimming underwater mm -hmm. to increase the capacity yeah. of your lungs. Because mm -hmm. when you're singing, you need your lungs. Mm -hmm. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. I'd be lost without them. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I do. I take the, take the workout very seriously. Tomorrow I'll probably get on a, I don't know, well, I have a football field here. Mm -hmm. It's not full-size AstroTurf, as I told you about, and I'll work on there with the ball and do some sprints and, and so lucky to be doing it at 73. Yeah, it's amazing. Did, did you ever think a, about the element that luck played in your life to be born at the time you were, to, to experience rock as it was happening, to be around all those people? Like how much of it? You know, especially, you know, the late 60s. And, well, yeah, the 60s. You know, I didn't make it till 71. Mm -hmm. But um, that was when everything was new. Yeah. Everything was brand new. Mm-hmm. You know, I often wonder why it's so difficult for kids to get on the radio now, you know, when they've got their albums coming out. and uh, Because there's so much good stuff that's gone before yeah. that people want to hear. Yeah. 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 And it sort of, I wouldn't say clogs up the airways, but it cuts down your chances. Right. And real good stuff. It was made in the 60s, 70s, and the 80s. Yeah. And so how much time do you, you spend each morning on your hair? On my hair? Yeah. No, I don't. If I'm going to work out, I don't bother till the evening. Okay. Uh, and literally, I can do my hair and wash it, dry it, get it standing up in 10 minutes at the most. Oh, wow. And real quick. It's real quick. Right. I'm sure by now that you're down to a science. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just so lucky I've still got it. And happy holidays to everyone that's been today's episode of Rolling Stone Music Now. We'll be back in the new year. And we're on every Friday here at SiriusXM's Volume, channel 106 at 1 p.m. In the meantime, we are a podcast. Download us as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to us if you haven't already wherever you get your podcasts. Maybe leave us a nice review on iTunes. And thanks for listening, and we'll see you next year. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was the three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.